0: Jimmy Hyams is down in Atlanta. Brent Hubbs has been in Atlanta, and he joins us now on the Stanley Fencing and Gates Hotline as his appearance brought to you by Diversified Enclosures and Screen. From design to installation, the team at Diversified has you covered. View their portfolio online at sunandscreen.com. Brent Hubbs, how are you? I'm doing fine, John. I hope you're doing well, my man. Yeah, big thumbs up. And so this was the second time that they've held it in Atlanta. What did you think in terms of having the first one under their belt? Was this one a more manageable trip to uh, to Atlanta? I was down
1: and back, so it was pretty manageable for, for me. Um, it's just a little more spread out than it is in Hoover. I mean, you're in two different buildings, and, um, you know, so I, it, was, it was fine. Uh, it was... You know that that event's changed a lot over the last 20 years. It's very much a, a SEC TV, ESPN, lots of lots of things that you have to do with that, and then the local media that covers them is there. I don't think they had as many media attendees as they've had in years past.
0: What did you think in terms of how Tennessee's representatives handled the day? Well, I thought I thought all of them
1: handled it well. Obviously. Um, Super impressed with Cedric Tillman today. Uh, That's as as forthcoming as he's been, in my opinion, since he's been at Tennessee. And clearly, it's a guy with a lot of confidence—not cocky, but he's very comfortable in his role. He he understands exactly what's being asked of him, and uh, he knows he's being counted upon as a leader. And you can just tell how much more comfortable in those settings he's getting and and has gotten. And I think the same for Ethan Hooker. I think both those guys. Uh, represented Tennessee well, and um, Tennessee had a solid day today. You know, it was uh, all the talk going in was going to be about Jimbo Fisher and, you know, the the mess that was Auburn a year ago. And, um, you know, I I thought Tennessee did a nice job, and certainly um, some national people were paying attention to what Tennessee said today.
2: Brent, you and I talked about this. You mentioned Cedric Tillman after that Florida game, he went to the coaches and uh, said, hey, I want to get more involved in the offense. Uh, You know, throw me the football. I thought that was an interesting admission on his part.
1: Yeah, and and clearly, if you go look at the stats and you you go look at the evolution of Tennessee's offense last year, Jimmy, uh, there was a a shift after that Florida game. With moving Bayless Jones inside the slot position, uh, Bayless's production certainly took off, and and, and it appears, and uh, Cedric Tillman confirmed this today, that, that Tennessee's coaching staff made it a priority to, to force the ball to, to Cedric Tillman and, and to really get him involved. And uh, I looked it up today, he had four catches, or six catches in the first four games last year for 78 yards, and then in the Missouri game, he had four catches for 73 yards. And so, uh, from that point on, it, it obviously really took off, and he ended up with a great season, and... Um, became Tennessee's best weapon on, on the outside and um, will be that way this fall. They'll just get a lot more attention about him than he did um, mid, midpoint of the season last year. They still weren't paying a whole lot of attention to him. They're going to know where he's at on the field every play this fall. I can promise you that.
2: Uh, Brew McCoy, wide receiver, somebody that Tennessee uh, hopes can help them at that position. Not eligible yet. Are you optimistic? That he will be granted eligibility, yeah, I,
1: I don't know that this is necessarily a, a an NCAA waiver or an appeal that has to be written there. I, I think this may be some clerical stuff that has to be done between Tennessee and southern cal, and I, I don't know that it's some crazy NCAA thing that, that is right now what sort it of turns into I mean there's certainly a concern that that He's not eligible right now. How, how can he not be? I mean, camp starts in, in a week. and um, So I, I, think, I think that he's going to be fine. I think Tennessee feels pretty confident that it's going to be fine there. Um, but until he is, he, he isn't. And so Tennessee fans are reminded of too many guys who they thought were going to be eligible and ended up not being eligible. So until he's eligible, there'll be plenty of people nervous about that one.
0: If you have a question or comment for Brent, 865-656-9900. That's 865-656-9900. Let's check in with Steve. You're on Sports Talk. Hello, Steve. Hey, fellows. Hey.
3: Hey. Uh,
0: Brent, uh,
3: uh, if uh, we got one more offensive line, or even if we don't, uh, how do you think, you, would, as a coach, if you were a coach, you would look at how well we've done on the offensive line in this signing class?
1: Well, I mean, they obviously got to get there to the finish line with everybody signed, but they would, you know, they want to close with Stanton Ramil if they can get him. Uh, we'll see what happens with that one. Um, a lot of people thought Auburn early on. I think Auburn's faded there a bit with him. Michigan State, Tennessee, uh, does he come, you know, does he see anybody when it opens back up the end of the month before he makes a final decision, but, uh, I really like Sham, the, the the young man that they got from Georgia a uh, week and a half ago, two weeks ago, because he's a true tackle guy. Uh, I think Aiden Bustle is going to be a good football player for Tennessee. I, I like that pickup. They would like to have one more tackle. And, and, Steve, if they don't get another tackle body in this class, then I think you'll see them in a transfer portal uh, looking for a tackle body if they can get one more. Okay. Okay.
3: Well, that concerns me about the the McCoy kid and the academic stuff. Like you said, you said there's been spending time. You think somebody will be okay and they're not. So, but you also said you didn't think Tennessee. They thought it'd probably be okay. Uh, so, so whatever. Uh but it's gonna be interesting too with the Tillman. You know, he's talking about. Uh, how you thought opposing defenses would be really out to, you know, uh, against him. Uh, uh, You know, that's going to be interesting to see how he does. But uh, I will say if he does as well next season as he did most of his games last year, uh, you know, we'll we'll be in pretty good shape. Uh, So, Show anyhow, how. and y'all be good. And how many days is it to uh, wrestling season? By the way, uh, that's gonna be fun. I, I,
1: I don't know, Steve. I'm trying to, He's trying to get to the first day of pads and high, high school football <laughs> next uh, Monday. So, um, right. I mean, we're uh, you're, try, you're trying to speed up his senior year of high school. Dad's not really ready for it to be over with yet. So, I'm right. not counting that many days. That many days ahead right now for him. Uh, but yeah, you, you know, know back it. to Cedric Tillman. Yeah, back, back to Cedric Tillman, Jimmy. I, I think that it was interesting. He was asked today about needing help uh, from from the other receivers and mm-hmm. you know, kind of pleading for them to help. And and he said he has expectations for those young receivers and, and guys to, to help him out. But he also said it was on him because he knows he's going to get the opposing team's best corner. He knows he's going to get double coverage, as he put it, the best receivers in this league do, is it's on me to be a better receiver. I've got to be perfect in my route running, and my releases have to get better. So, uh, yes, he, he knows he needs some help opposite of him, but uh, he understands. I, I got the impression from Cedric Tillman today, he's not resting on any success he had last year. That's probably the best way to put it.
0: Jimmy Hyams down in Atlanta. I'm John Wilkerson. SEC Media Days have concluded as Tennessee shared the spotlight today with Auburn and Texas A&M. Our guest, Brent Hubs of AllQuest.com. His appearance brought to you by Diversified Enclosures and Screen. From design to installation, the team at Diversified has you covered. View their portfolio online at sunandscreen.com. If you have a question or comment for Brent, 865-656-9900. That's 865-656-9900.
2: Brent, Josh Heupel was asked about this. Uh, He was told, well, Lane Kiffin has signed some mustard bottles and some golf balls. Have you? And Heupel said, "Uh, no, hadn't signed any mustard bottles or golf balls, but I wish I'd had a golf ball that night. What did you make of that comment?
1: Uh, I I didn't really know where he was going there. He obviously came back and said, you know, just kidding. Uh, But then later in the local – a local media session, and when you were asking him about the clock, the potential clock will change, he quickly went to there are other things they could fix, which includes faking injuries. Yeah. And obviously, the game in which there were more cramps and more stoppages in play for injuries than that Tennessee played in last year compared to any other was the Ole Miss game. And um, I know Josh Hype has been asked about that for a while, and, and he's kind of always. You know, downplayed it a little bit, but he brought that up to you today, off out of the blue, kind of off the cuff. So I, I think that um, probably he stewed over that one, that game, a little bit longer yeah. than a lot of people may have played, may think that he stewed over that game. And I think that might have been part of the golf ball. the you know, discussion. Yeah. There was, you know, kind of his frustration with the fact that, you know, so many times when they had some momentum offensively going in that game, there was, you know, three or four plays in a row where there was a stoppage in play and. Um, I think it bothered him more than he initially let on at any point in time last year when I asked about it.
2: And when I asked him about rule changes, he said, well, there's some options. I said, like what? And he said, well, maybe make that player sit out the rest of the possession. Uh, I don't remember him saying that before. Do you? No, he had not gotten specific. And he he was a little, he, he offered a little
1: more opinion at the end of the day today when he met with Uh, us local media, uh, on just some bigger topic, things like that, which was um, kind of refreshing, a little bit out of what I would say be out of character for him. But, um, you know, I'm disappointed that the, the league's best answer for the injury stuff is we'll review it, basically, and we could further penalize you later, as opposed to coming up with some kind of, rule to, to, to try to manage that a little bit better, whether it's keeping a guy out for the whole possession or, as I've talked about, you know, you can't substitute any other, you know, position if a guy's hurt. You can't huddle up with your coaches while the trainers are looking at him. Something to that effect to, to try to eliminate from that yeah. being a, you know, a timeout. I mean, basketball's dealing with something because of the reviews that they're going through. You know, those are free timeouts for everybody, yeah. and and that's, you know, that that's for a fan. That's tough to watch all those when you have that many stoppages in play in those sports, um, you know, particularly late in games and critical situations.
2: Well, yeah, and I'd ask uh, the supervisor of football officials, John McDade, uh, what what can you do with these injuries and and fake injuries, and he he didn't want to use the word fake. I think he said feign, but he said. Look, I've come to the conclusion that we cannot write a rule that will cover this. It's just got to be up to the coaches. And, and Steve Shaw had actually said that there was there was an appeal process in place the year before, but only a handful of people ever appealed it, which almost made me think that the coaches don't want to rat on each other for faking injuries. But uh, when McDade said he just didn't see any way to come up with a solution, I was a little bit disappointed in that, Brent. I thought they would come up with something better than that.
1: Well, your answer, to me, your answer has got to be better than we can't do anything about it. Yeah, You know what I mean? I, I just think that you can. And 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 listen, player safety is of the utmost importance. And you sure. can't just assume that every guy that goes down is faking an injury. You know, just like we're not to assume that every guy who goes down is, is not, you know, or is hurt, you know. Um, so, I, you know, I get all of that. I just think that there are ways that, You can put put it in there to where it's not as convenient to do as it is right now. It's an easy answer right now, Jimmy, because it's it's a one-place set out. You get a free time out of it. You can rotate 11 players during that stoppage of play if you want to. Take some of the options out of that, and and maybe it makes it less inviting to do. And, And I think they can create some kind of rule there. Um, that is disappointing to say that they don't even want to try to, to, to look at it if that's not going do if they're not going to look at it at all.
0: Brent. Always a lot of conversation that surrounds this week uh, in Atlanta or wherever the SEC media days take place. And you have the conversation that is coaches on the hot seat. And then there's also what might be a little more interpretation, and that is coaches under the most pressure. And I think it was Greg McElroy, wasn't it, Jimmy, that said that it was Josh Heupel that he feels has the most pressure going into this season. I think it's more about there are set expectations for Tennessee this year compared to last year when there were a lot of unknowns how do you react to uh to McElroy's thoughts there
1: Well I mean I, you know I, I think every I think every school that has an expectation there there's pressure on the coach um you know I mean again we're 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 trying to fill hours upon hours of content and, and come up with different different things so now we're you know we're saying it's not a hot seat that, but he's got pressure on him what well, who in this league doesn't have pressure on him. Maybe Clark Lee, right? <laughs> I mean, outside of that, I mean, you don't think there's pressure on Sam Pittman at Arkansas? You don't think Shane Beamer's got some pressure on him in year two because they exceeded expectations in year one? I mean, this league spending a gazillion dollars to play college football. There's pressure on everybody, so I don't think there's any more pressure on Josh Heupel than there is, you know, any other coach. I mean, there's pressure on Mike Leach. There's they're not going to fire Jimbo Fisher because his buyout's, you know, $100 million. But, you know, there's pressure on Jimbo Fisher this year. You know, they had the, the greatest signing class in the history of man last year, and they <laughs> beat Alabama last year. There's a lot of pressure on Jimbo Fisher to get some things done at Texas A&M. I think everybody in this league's under pressure.
0: What do you think in terms of Tennessee projected as perhaps the number two team in the eastern division do you think the program is ready to be in that position
1: well i think when you look at the east you got georgia georgia to me cleared away is the best team okay i think they're going to win the east again Uh, i talked to a georgia rider today who's trying to downplay georgia a little bit because they've lost all this lost all that and now Stetson Bennett's going to have to make a bunch of plays to win because they can't lean on the quarter or the defense all the time. I still think Georgia's clearing away the best team in the East. I don't think it's real close. I think after that you've got Tennessee, Kentucky. I don't know where Florida's going to be. I don't think Florida's going to be very good. I know South Carolina's a little bit of a media darling right now, but you got a hodgepodge there of three or four teams that could end up finishing second in the league. Part of that may depend on scheduling. Who has the most favorable schedule to, to win? to be second in the league. Can Tennessee get there? They could. I don't think they have the easiest schedule to be the second place team in the East when you compare them to Kentucky's schedule in the league or um, you know Florida's schedule in the league. I mean, you go to Baton Rouge, you got Alabama. Um, you know, that's not that's not an easy road to hoe when you look at what they have to, to get done there, but. Could Tennessee finish second? If they stay healthy, they could. I mean, I wouldn't be stunned if that's where they end up. Um, And it wouldn't stun me if they finish, you know, tied for third.
2: Brent, uh, in regard to um, uh, Tennessee's recruiting, and I I know this has come up before, but Tennessee is is having a really good year in recruiting. they got 18 commits. They've been ranked in the top ten by most everybody. Is there any surprise they're doing that without having the NCAA investigation resolved?
1: Um, No, I mean, not not a huge surprise to me, Jimmy, because I think they did a nice job recruiting a year ago with everything that was going against them. And, 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 you know, I say that because they had the cloud of the NCAA over their head. Uh, They obviously were trying to manage some scholarship things. Um, you know, to try to do some own, their own self- imposing stuff. And there was no tangible evidence of what Tennessee was going to be. And, and they recruited well last year. I mean, they, they had a nice finish and had a solid year. I think when you get a high profile quarterback, whether that means he gets, you know he yields seven immediate commitments right afterwards or, or not, I think the Nico factor is an effect. Uh, I think that's a real, I think that's a real thing. It's helping. Um, And, 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 you know, they've done a good job in-state because they've had a year to evaluate, to offer, and go recruit guys. I I think, you know, I think Trevor Duncan is a great eval. Uh, I think Nathan Robinson was a great eval for Tennessee. I think you see the options those guys have, but Tennessee was to the party early, uh, which is a credit to the work that the recruiting staff and the coaching staff put in and some of those early evaluations. I think they paid dividends for Tennessee, and, you know, I think there's a chance Tennessee's going to make some more news here in recruiting uh, over the course of the next month or so.
2: What did you think of Cedric Tillman and Hendon Hooker going to New York and gaining that experience? Yeah, I
1: think it's wonderful. I mean, I, I think we, when, you know, we talked last week for an hour about NIL and everything we talked about in NIL from the, the callers and, and things I brought up was largely around recruiting. But but the truth of the matter is, you know, more money. NIL focus is is on current student athletes, and I, I think that uh, the Spire Group's commitment to taking those guys up there to New York to let them visit with some people. You know, they they were with Topps trading cards. There were some other corporations that they visited with to talk to those guys and and, and executives about branding yourself, not just as a college athlete, but moving forward, I think that's invaluable knowledge. And I think that's something that they can come back and talk to their teammates about. I mean, Cedric Tillman, you heard him today. It was Adam Sparks from uh, the new Sentinel who asked him, you know, uh, what would you advise, you know, 17 year old kids to spend money on and Cedric's responses about, you know, you need to understand the taxation. You need to understand how to invest your money and the keys to doing that and whatever dollar figure you get, and you're not taking that dollar figure home. I mean, that's education that's involved there. And, and I think that's part of this process for NIL that needs to be done. So, I, I you know, tip of the cap to me to, to aspire into those kids for going and doing that because I think there was a lot to gain and learn from it. And, and I think educating these kids is, a, is something that's essential to do because, A lot of these guys don't understand what all they're getting involved with when they get NIL deals.
0: Our guest is Brent Hubbs of AllQuest.com. His appearance brought to you by Diversified Enclosures and Screen. Jimmy Hyams down in Atlanta for the SEC Football Media Days, which have concluded as Tennessee shared the spotlight today on the final day with Texas A&M and Auburn. Our guest, Brent Hubbs of AllQuest.com, as he joins us on the Stanley Fencing and Gates Hotline. If you have a question or comment for Brent, 865-656-9900. That's 865 865-656- 656 9,900, well, Brent, all of this going on with Tennessee football. It was the draft this week starting Sunday night for Tennessee baseball. What did you think in terms of Tony Vitello being a part of the MLB network coverage as well as a school record 10 volunteers being selected and 11 balls getting a shot at pro ball right now?
1: Well, let's let's start with that because that's the bigger storyline, and Tony Vitello would agree that that's the bigger storyline. Uh, is, is what a team and what a program that Tony Vitello has built. Um, I'm so happy for so many of these guys who, you know, so, you know, had to play through COVID and, and lost a year, but continued their development and getting the opportunity uh, to play um, at, at the next level, which which is the ultimate goal for sure. And um, tells you this team is very special, very talented. Uh, and, again, I think a lot of that credit goes to their hard work and the development of his coaching staff. As for Tony Vitello on the podium, um, maybe the bigger surprise is that he was wearing a tie. Uh, it's been a while <laughs> since we've seen Coach Vitello in a tie, but uh, there's no doubt that, that he was terrific on set, and I think you'll see him in that role moving forward because I promise you the producers uh, for that show went, you know, this guy's really good. Uh, but because, one, he, he just he's so ingrained in the college game, um he knows so many of those players, not just his own, but guys that obviously they played against because of the league. But guys, I mean, he's recruited so many of those guys, and he remembers so much about those guys. I thought his insight was terrific in his draft coverage. And, and I promise you, but the Major League Baseball Network or MLB Network was like, yeah, this is a good one. We ought to do this again with him. So I think you'll see him back in that role if he wants to do it again.
0: Would you ever have imagined in- – running ball quest as long as you have that the week of SEC Media Days, you would also have takeaways from the MLB draft as well as a projection for the twenty twenty three Tennessee outfield running concurrently.
1: Well and and that's I mean that's a credit to Ben McKee's work and, and what he's done and covering the, the program and um, you know we, we made a commitment a couple of years ago, start with Ron Schumpert to to cover baseball because there was a There was a, you know, people asked for it. There was a demand for it. And you could see Tony Vitello was, it was coming. Um, And and look, fans are going to love a, fans are going to love a good team. They're going to love a competitive team and uh, they love this team's attitude. And, um, you know, again, that's a a credit to what Tony Vitello has created. And uh, it's a credit to Ben McKee and and what he's created in terms of um, the insight that he can provide because of his, Uh, knowledge of the baseball program and and the way he's covered it for us over the course of the last year
2: brent uh there's a tennessee target he's a defensive lineman his name is David hobbs he's out of concord north carolina he is uh was going to reveal august the first he has moved that decision back to a later date do you like tennessee's chances with hobbs
1: I like them better that he moved the date and that he's waiting. I, I think that's a positive for more of a positive for Tennessee. I think if he was going right now, I'm not sure that it would be Tennessee. He likes Tennessee. Uh, Tennessee's continuing to recruit him. I think they're continuing to build a relationship there with him. He liked Tennessee the first time he, he visited Tennessee at camp, but he didn't get the offer. Tennessee kind of went a little bit quiet there with him, and he kind of moved on a little bit. Came back up here and camped. Got the offer this past month or back in June, I should say, and um, you know Tennessee's in it. I I'm, I don't know that Tennessee is the favorite, but they're in it. And the fact that he's delaying that decision, I think, is is positive because Tennessee's given him plenty to think about. He's got a younger sister. He's actually got two younger sisters. Uh, is is the one closest to him uh, is going to be a national bat. She is a national basketball recruit. Uh, Kelly Harper and her staff are recruiting her. I don't think that they're a lockstep to go to the same school, uh, but you know, it, it's certainly something that they've talked about as a family. So uh, we'll see, but I do think the delay is probably a positive for Tennessee, Jimmy.
2: And uh, with Heupel today, he was asked about the potential of a 6-3 schedule in the SEC. He mentioned again Alabama, Vanderbilt, Kentucky, and said they have other rivalries too, like Georgia and, and Florida. But I asked him if he preferred the six-three, and he said, uh, "Well, that's uh, I will not have input into that decision." What do you think? Do you think he prefers six-three or or the seven-one? What do you think he is? What do you think Tennessee is on that?
1: Um, you know, I, I think they see, I, I think they see some good and bad in both. Um, you know, I think one of the things with the seven-one that some coaches and, and some ADs out there. Uh, and, and even the commissioner, I think, to a degree, Jimmy, looks at it and says, you know, is that is the 7-1 better for the league overall? I mean, playing eight conference games as opposed to nine, does that help you with the playoff? Does it make a difference? It's certainly going to help you get more, bowl team, more teams bowl eligible if you play an eight-game schedule instead of a nine-game conference schedule. Does an eight-game schedule allow you to go schedule more High-profile games—that's going to generate some more TV um, juice for you that way. I, I think there's a real debate on eight or nine games, which I, I'm a little surprised there, that it's turned that way. I thought nine was just a given; it was going to happen. Um, but, but I think there's some—I think there's some advocacy for, for an eight-game schedule for the reasons that I talked about, which is why I don't think the FCC is extremely close to making a decision. On number of games, you would have better insight than me on that. Uh, being in Destin at the spring meetings, they didn't seem to get very far with the discussion down there. To me, Jimmy, um, so we'll see where it's at moving forward. Um, I, I thought nine was a given, but I'm I'm not in that camp right now. I, I think there's I do think there's a possibility they can stay in eight games, which I didn't think was realistic three or four months ago.
0: Our guest is Brent Hubbs of AllQuest.com. His appearance brought to you by Diversified Enclosures and Screen. He joins us on the Stanley Fencing and Gates Hotline. Final segment for us today with Brent Hubbs of AllQuest.com as he joins us on the Stanley Fencing and Gates Hotline and his appearance brought to you by Diversified Enclosures and Screen. Brent, you mentioned how you really appreciated all that Cedric Tillman chose to share in his time representing Tennessee today at SEC Media Days. Were there any other things that came from either Flowers or Hendon Hooker that that also you either either had appreciation for or caught you maybe just a touch off guard?
1: Well, I mean, Hendon Hooker talked a lot about his trip to New York and how important that was, and uh, he spoke openly about Spire and, and how good they've been to him. And, and, you know, we haven't heard a lot of Tennessee people talking about Uh, some of that stuff specifically uh, as they did today. But I think the overriding thing that was kind of talked about today is just how much more comfortable everybody is in this program. And I I think that's only natural uh, when when that's the case. But uh, Cedric Tillman talked about, you know, his relationship with Josh Heupel and how important, you know, his first meeting with Josh Heupel was because they talked for about 10 or 15 minutes. And it was not about a bunch of football stuff. It was just about getting to know each other and uh, how much he appreciates the fact that Josh Heupel's um, clear and honest with them. But but he knows them as more than just football players. And you know he said if coaches around the country would follow that lead, I think you'd have more successful teams. Um, so there's a, there's a real appreciation for kind of the the fabric of the program. I hate the word culture because I think it's so overused. But but the fabric of this program that's kind of been woven over the course of the last year, 18 months, I think was something that that you got a real sense of in talking to those three veterans today. And those are three veterans who have been through a lot in different ways. Okay? I mean, Trayvon Flowers is a guy who's dealt with some injury, who's played for multiple coaches, who's had some tough moments, who's had some bright moments. Hidden Hooker's a guy who came to this program and, didn't play for anybody he decided to come play for, you know, and, and uh, lost the job and had to wait his turn that way. Cedric Tillman was a, an afterthought recruit that Tennessee took late. That it took him basically four years to get on the field. And, and now he's considered, you know, he's on the Bolitnikoff list. I mean, if somebody would have said last spring that Cedric Tillman was going to be on the Boletnikoff list, I don't think anybody in, in, in any Tennessee fan would have believed that for a minute. And so all three of those guys, although they're veterans and have played a lot of football, all their stories are very different, but yet they're kind of at the same place right now. And that is a program that they feel very comfortable being a part of, which is a credit to them. And it's a credit to the coaching staff in Tennessee.
2: Yeah, Brent, I'm glad you mentioned that about what Tillman said about the 10 to 50 minute talk with Hypel because Hendon Hooker echoed that about what it meant to him also. And so I asked Heupel about that and, uh, it, it said that it was something that he kind of grew to decide to do as a head coach, and he thought that it wasn't necessarily that his dad was a coach or others imparted that on him. He just thought it was something that you needed to build a good relationship with the players. And, and I, Brent, I think that's a really good move on his part.
1: There's doubt. And I think, you know, he echoed that a little bit today, Jimmy, when you talked about how transparent you have to be with the locker room these days. Yeah.
0: Yeah. When you look at
1: the changing world of college football, transfer portal, NIL, all the things that are out there, you're not deceiving anybody in the locker room. Okay. If you're trying to deceive those guys, it's not going to end very well for you. You have to be transparent. A lot of coaches don't like to be transparent, right? That's not yeah. their gift. And and I, I think Josh Heupel's trying to be as transparent as he can be and uh, one way to do that is have a real you know, try to have a real personal relationship with his players and and, and all of his guys, not just the superstars, not just the captains, uh, but but a true you know kind of relationship with with all of those guys that way. and um, so I, I think that's a a, a good move and, and I think that's something that helped this team buy in last year um, and, and something that has to continue to happen if this team's going to go from what Josh Heupel said earlier today, a team that hopes to a team that believes to a team that expects. And, I, you know, I don't know if Tennessee's at the expectation level as a team, uh, but they're further along than they were. Um, there was hope last year that they might be better. I think some guys in the locker room hoped that things were going to be different. I think there's a true belief that things are different now. The question is, can they get to the point where they expect to win truly expect to win every Saturday, regardless of the opponent.
0: I definitely know that uh, that VolQuest subscribers expect to win because there's just a ton of coverage across the board. As we mentioned, there's baseball coverage with the draft taking place this week, everything that covered the tri- Tennessee trip to media days. You've got opponent previews and even some basketball news. Yep, and we got positional previews going as well. So we got plenty of things in the
1: in the hopper out there. It's a busy time, and Uh, Heck, this time next week will be about 48, 72 hours or so from the the start of of the football season officially with fall camp getting underway. So uh, it's upon us, and uh, it's time to roll them up and get going. So we got plenty of stuff coming up in the coming days as well as uh, what we've
0: got up today. Brent, always appreciate it. Thank you so much. Have a great weekend, and we'll talk to you next week. All right, thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Thank you. Brent Hubs of AllQuest.com joining us on the Stanley Fencing and Gates Hotline. His appearance brought to you by Diversified Enclosures and Screen. From design to installation, the team at Diversified has you covered. View their portfolio online at sunandscreen.com.
3: Movies, TV shows, books, podcasts, and more. It's What Women Binge with Melissa Joan Hart and her friend Amanda Lee. We have Lauren Bosworth with us. Yay! the hills. So what is like your number one question from fans? The
2: primary question I still get asked was, what is it real? (laughs) In 2024, to me is a surprising question to get because I feel like everybody has been through the reality TV gauntlet at this point.
3: What women binge wherever you listen.